When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello there and welcome to the Talking City podcast from the Manchester Evening News where normally we talk about Manchester City but today we're talking about the Happy Flowers team because last night was a very, very eventful night at the Etihad Stadium. I almost forgot there was a game on and the game itself was quite quite eventful because City came back from 2-0 down to win 4-2 against Tottenham but then Pep Guardiola exploded. We heard everything. He took aim at everybody and uh, we've got plenty to discuss today. My name's Joe Bray and joining me today is uh, Simon Bajkowski. Si, have you recovered from uh, last night's eventful uh, eventful events and also a late finish? Yeah, it was long, wasn't it? <laughs> it was really long. It was, um, yeah, not one for anyone on tight deadlines, I wouldn't have thought, um, because Pep Guardiola got um, got very... Lengthy in his answers, uh, a really long post-match press conference, all of it really good. Um, and yeah, we were we were there for a while, weren't we? Um, yeah, it was it it was a very interesting night, as you say, and it will go well. It could go down as a very significant night in the season, or it could be an example of um, you know City not quite being at it. So, um, but it it was very interesting that Guardiola felt he had to make this intervention, um, shall we say, for a team that, let's not kid ourselves, the second in the table and still in the FA Cup and the Champions League. But Guardiola not happy. He wants more. And um, yeah, it was really fascinating to sit there and listen to him. Yeah, that was it. It was a very sort of, it felt like an event. He came in and you you could tell there was something he wanted to say and why did he go off and, and say it? But I, th- I think we've we've only got to start at the beginning just to get all the context in. Because even before the game, he was speaking in the press conference, wasn't he, about City's failure to create chances in the last two games. Obviously, two defeats in a week, one shot on target in those defeats as well. And even though he'd said the players need to create more for Erling Haaland and he'd sort of put the, the onus on the players after the Manchester United defeat, he then came out in his press conference and said, no, it's all me. I need to take responsibility for creating the tactics and portraying my ideas onto those players to get Haaland scoring again and get the get the goals flowing. And then he made a lot of changes, didn't he? He dropped Kevin De Bruyne, Phil Foden, Bernardo were also on the bench. Rico Lewis came back in. It, was, it wasn't a second string side, but for, for a City side to face Tottenham, it wasn't full strength at all and for me Kevin De Bruyne being on the bench was one of the more n- notable uh, decisions that he made because I mean in the press in, in his program notes he was talking about we need aggression we need to fight for every ball and when he's talking about his tactics and being quicker in attack and getting the ball out wide to then get back in the box for Haaland De Bruyne is the player you want and especially you can never fault his 
aggression or his mentality and then he's gone and, and dropped him for a game of of this magnitude what what did you make of of the selection because it was it it was one of many moments last night where people were looking around thinking what's going on here what, what what's happening yeah i mean there's a bit of a running joke um from some fans when city lose that they know pep will come out and say we played magnificently and um and it kind of felt a bit like that with the everton draw um on new year's eve when to most people watching city didn't look very good but guardiola was adamant yeah we were the better team and then you had southampton and you had half the game against chelsea and you had the collapse against united and um and so like you say on wednesday the pre-match press conference guardiola kind of like drew a line under everything he accepted yet yeah, we haven't been quite at it but it's my fault but it's not too bad it's just tactical things a few selection tactical issues i've made and um we'll get it right it's fine and then yeah as, as you say the the lineup on thursday was was striking um it took a lot of sort of head scratching but then you kind of thought well it's designed to get more out of harland and more play towards Haaland um, with Gundogan and, and Alvarez pressing on to give City more options through the middle rather than just leaving him isolated. So it did make sense. It just kind of isn't the 4-3-3 we've come to expect with uh, with this City team. And it looked to be going all right. Um, I mean, they didn't really find Haaland a lot, but th- there was a, a chance he had towards the end of the first half and it was all kind of, you know, I think they'd have been the happier team at nil-nil um, at half-time. They just then conceded two very poor goals before half-time to, um, to make it very difficult for them to come back. Yeah, I've, I've got to say, I, I can understand why he made the changes he did. Sort of Alvarez, he was speaking about putting more bodies in, in the box and Alvarez is a good person to do that because when he plays in that sort of hole behind Haaland, he picks up all those balls that maybe Haaland will miss or he runs into the spaces that Haaland has, has left. And I, I can understand that and maybe De Bruyne is the one that you do sacrifice. And I, I get it, but when you're talking about creating more chances and then you take off your most creative player, if you like, it. I mean, it raises eyebrows. And when you start Rico Lewis as well, I, I get that you want to add another body in, in midfield. It, it, it does make sense. I think just the, the amount of changes and the players that he dropped were were eye-catching and yeah like you say it was probably a little bit better in in the first half but also we I think we spoke at our time and said have they been quicker in attack have have they been putting more balls in the box I, I don't think they did they, they might have been a bit more direct and, and forward in, in sort of their intentions but with Tottenham's defence it, it was quite hard to break down and it, it was only until about 40 minutes when as you say Haaland had those two two chances where yeah maybe he could have done better but at least he was getting in the game it, it took until 40 minutes to do that and then as we as we discussed and, and we'll discuss out of the blue two sort of I would say self-inflicted goals the, the first one obviously Edison misjudges the the positioning of, of Rodri and, and Kulusevski has a, an easy finish and then the second one yes Harry Kane does well to get through about five challenges but City will be very disappointed to see I mean, you, you could bring him down 40 yards from goal and just take a yellow card and, and get through to half-time, but then he comes through and then he gets past Rodri on the byline and no one's marking Emerson Royale and suddenly it's it's nil-two and, 
and the Etihad crowd are booing. And I, I mean, when the boos happened, I, I wasn't sure whether they were for the referee. The the officiating was a little bit inconsistent, shall we say. There was a lot of fouls going unpunished and a booking for a City player, but not in an equivalent position for for a Tottenham player. But when the referee walked off, there wasn't much sort of anger directed in his, his direction. So the booing was definitely, I think, out of frustration for for the fact that City just conceded two goals in in two minutes, but it was it was noticeable. And yeah, we said at our time, we didn't think they'd come back. And I mean, Pep said after the game, he didn't expect them to come back. But uh, yeah, talk us through what happened because there were no changes at half time, were there? But City were a completely different team. Yeah, and it, it, it's difficult to say how they came back, really, but they, they just did. Like within five minutes... Um, eight minutes it was 2-2 uh, Julian Alvarez has a really handy knack of just kind of being involved in goals being around the box and being involved and he kind of uh, pounced on a loose ball and slapped one in and then um, put a really nice sort of vertical cross into the box for, for Mares to do really well head across to Haaland um, and he nodded it past Larice and and suddenly, you know, the whole game's changed um, and you think, well, of course City are going to win this. Um, I don't think Tottenham were that great defensively, just as, you know, City gifted Spurs their goals. But I don't think um, City had to work particularly hard to score their goals either. Um, but it was just, you know, they they came out with, with the wind behind them and, uh, and decided to turn it on. It, it was strange, really, because they'd been you know, very, very tentative in the first half. Um, only really sort of creating a few things towards the very final minutes of the half, but they just went straight for it and got instant rewards. And, you know, I think they were 3-2 up on the hour mark. Um, so the comeback was was well and truly complete. And then Mares uh, finished it off late on. Like, what a player Mares is, is at the minute for City. Just everything he does comes off um, and he does score big, big goals. And he was, he was really needed last night and, and Grealish as well um, had another very good game on the, on the wing alongside Mares. So um, yeah, it, it kind of, you know, I wrote in my match report that, you know, City can't play like that every week and win the league, but they, 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 they won last night and, you know, if they win on Sunday, they're, Two points behind Arsenal, and the you know they are they are there even if they're not quite where they want to be as a as a team. Uh, you know, plenty took from last night. Oh, the comeback of champions, and um, this is what champions do, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You know, the fans sang it towards the end of the game. Um, so that was kind of where we were at. That you know the the comeback had masked the the flaws that were were evident in the performance. Um, and then it was just up to Guardiola to either say they played fantastic or, or or say what he said, really. Yeah, that I think we were sort of lulled into a, a false sense of security with a, a comeback win and we, we kind of could predict what Guardiola, Guardiola was going to say and then I don't think anyone could have predicted what, what he then went on. I'm going to... I was going to ask you about Mahrez later on, but given the fact that you just praised him, I think it's a, a good time to to bring him up and, and because he did play such a crucial role in that comeback. Guardiola said after the game, before the World Cup, he wasn't there, but 
something's clicked, something's he's realised, and now he is playing at his very best. I, I looked at his stats for the season in his first ten games: no goals, no assists. Then he went away with Algeria for uh, an international break. I think he got one or two goals, and since then he's played fourteen times, ten goals, three assists, and probably at a rate of a goal contribution under 90 minutes now that is as good as anyone that apart from obviously early Carla do scores pretty much when he wants he, he is sort of a city's best attacker now at, at the moment isn't he isn't he as he's he's back to sort of his best form that we've really seen him play at city and he's he's turning up when it matters like city needed someone to sort of take that game yesterday and Mares was the the one who did it do you think there has been sort of a, a click, as Guardiola says, just in in his mindset or his form? I'm I'm not I'm I'm not sure how how to put it down to because he was sort of completely out of the picture, wasn't he? And now suddenly he's 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 first choice again. Yeah, and Maris tends to have these more than most these kind of dips in the season and then comes back strong. Um, and yeah, Guardiola has been pretty scathing of him. Um, you know, I think he said he had issues with his his body weight uh, when he was struggling, and now he's saying, "Oh, yeah, he was basically on holiday," which is, you know, quite the quite the thing to say about um, one of you one of your squad. Uh, but you can say it now because you know everything's worked out. But it was, um, yeah, Matt, for, from the very start, um, as soon as City signed him. Guardiola has turned to Mahrez in the big games and he says he just loves that mentality. I remember, I think um, City played Spurs at Wembley when they were having issues with their ground and Guardiola stuck Mahrez straight and it was shortly after he joined, but it was um, after the uh, the disaster at the Leicester Stadium and, you know, it was like Mahrez would have had every right to sort of say, no, not for me, but he was like, no, I'm playing, I'm doing this and it, it's that character that Guardiola really likes and that is why sort of Guardiola will give him more rope than some to play himself into form because he really loves the qualities that he brings for those big games and you know Mara's instrumental in City's run to the Champions League final two years ago and he's just a player who turns up and scores goals you know he's, he's only the uh the second City player this season to score 10 goals now um, Harland obviously way out in front, but no one else has made it to 10. I think Phil Foden's been marooned on nine since about October, but, um, you know, Mara is, is there and has done it and has done it again. Um, and I think his, you know, his numbers overall across all every season are, are pretty good, but he's got a chance now to um, to really kick on this year and, and make it his best his best season yet. Yeah, and we we hear so much about Mares and Grealish starting in it, it being the the sort of control formation and and slowing down play. But his goals record at the moment is sort of, I mean, you can't argue with it, can you? And he's he's scoring winning goals, he's scoring game changing goals, and um, I think he is an example to probably quite a few players who are currently out of form and out of favour. I mean, I mean, you look at Calvin Phillips, who has also been criticised for is being overweight or is, is sort of recovery from coming back from holiday or international duty and Mahrez has just taken his punishment really played in the the not so fancied games the the sort of dead rubbers in the Champions League the the cup games and and the less important games if there's sort of two games where Guardiola wants to wants to rotate 
and he's he's done his time there. He's he's scored the goals to play his way back into form, and now he's he's, he's probably undroppable in in Guardiola's first first choice plans. And Guardiola criticised a lot of players last night, but I think on on current form you can't you can't include Mares in that. And there weren't many players who who escaped that criticism. Um, and I think that is a, a good time to get on to to what Guardiola said because I mean we were waiting for him in the press conference and we could see these quotes dripping through from from his interviews where he was he was saying City had no guts, no desire, no hunger. He was saying he even went for the fans. He said I, I want my fans back and away from home they're great, but at home he, he wasn't happy with what he was getting from from the stands. He, he he's been hinting for a while, hasn't he, that something isn't right. He felt that something regarding City's hunger wasn't going to be there this season because just because of the nature of defending a, a title three years in a in a row, the hunger might not be there. There might be some complacency, and I think he's dropped quite a few hints. But something clicked yesterday, and he let out all his frustrations in in one go. And it wasn't even like he he did he let it out in his broadcast interviews and then maybe sort of clarified and backtracked a little bit in his press conference, which he, he sometimes do. I'm I'm thinking when he said the other week that he doesn't care if City win the, the Premier League, he then clarified that, of course, he cares. And I think yesterday, no one can argue that uh, he cares about City's, City's uh, chances of winning the Premier League. But something something's not right there. And this, this was a lot of frustration, all sort of reaching to the boiling point, wasn't it? And just letting out in one big, long monologue, wasn't it? Yeah, and it was all the questions that, you know, have been put to him in recent weeks and whatever and things like that. And even, you know, his pre-match press conference on Wednesday and he's asked, you know, do you need like a Fernandinho-type figure to knock some heads together? And no, 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 the dressing room's superb. No, 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 we're fine. And then, uh, you know, he was spitting feathers after Spurs because no one sort of defended Rico Lewis when he was getting kicked to bits against Tottenham and you know all these little things he just decided to unload on basically and say I'm not happy with this and you know football managers because they are kind of the public face of clubs um, tend to get asked questions that aren't that others would be better qualified to to answer and things like that who aren't put up you know I know Antonio Conte said it's weird that in England, it's only ever the manager rather than sporting directors or anyone else and uh, things like that. Well, you know, Guardiola even turned on the club and said, you know, the not everything's right at the club. And he made it clear that all he wants to do is beat Arsenal. You know, for all this, oh, I don't care if we win the, the Premier League. No, that's all he cares about. He doesn't care about any other noise around he just wants to see his team and see his team beat Arsenal to another Premier League title. And, you know, it was uh, it got a lot, a lot of traction last night as sort of, you know, uh, an exercise in what a really elite manager thinks. And, it, and it's really hard as well, of course, because, you know, what he was saying was like, these players are missing something in the clouds, he said. There's something in the clouds that they've not got. Basically, some kind of hunger and motivation um but how do you how do you see that how do you find that how do you know when Kevin De Bruyne has got that hunger again uh, and how do you know how long he'll keep it for the, 
it, it's really, really difficult, even when you're one of the best managers in history and you're seeing these players every day. It's really hard to work it out. And clearly, Guardiola still hasn't worked it out yet. Um, but he will make it his duty to work it out if it, you know, gives him, makes him lose all his hair. Because it's, uh, he, it, it showed how much he cares about being a serial winner, which is probably why he's been a serial winner. I was just going to say exactly that. You, you cannot doubt his passion for making Manchester City even more successful after listening to, to that press conference. And I mean, I was just listening to the comments of sort of other journalists in the room and they were like, I've never seen him like that. I've never seen Pep do do that. And I, I think it was just a mixture of everything, like exasperation, like you say, he's tried probably quite a lot of things to, to get these players to, to hear his message. And maybe maybe that's what, what he needed. I, I got the feeling he was... He sort of let himself off off his lead and just just went and he probably maybe didn't even realise what he was saying. Just a lot of sort of thoughts just tumbled out of him, which we know can happen with with Guardiola. But if 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 the players aren't listening to to the message and don't get the message after after that, then then they're never going to get the message, are they? And I, th- I think there were the couple of things that he said that that was more eye catching than others. Yeah, like you said, obviously the. The Rico Lewis thing, people aren't defending him. He said basically City are too uh, happy flowers and sort of too complacent and just happy to be where they are. He wants them to be better. He wants them to push on. But he, he said that at half time there was no point changing things because players like De Bruyne and Walker and Cancelo and Bernardo wouldn't have improved the mentality and wouldn't have made any difference. Now, they're players who've helped City win three or four plus Premier League titles and a lot more trophies, got to Champions League finals and he doesn't think that they can come on and, and change a game against uh, against Tottenham. I mean, any game in the Premier League, you you would expect that, those players to, to come on and use their experience. But I think that was quite a, a telling comment and the fact that he's left, he left De Bruyne on the bench completely. He didn't bring him on, he didn't bring Phil Foden on and, and they're often players that you would want to, to come on and, and spark your team back into life and have done at various points this season. So that, that I think, was something that... If, if we're looking at the interview as a whole, there might, there might be some things that are just said and he's got it off his chest and we don't hear again for, for a while. I've got a feeling that those comments about not being able to look at his bench full of these experienced world-class players and feel that they can come on and change the game, I, I feel like that could be a hint to maybe a, a bigger problem that he's been looking at and, and, and sort of dropping hints at for, for quite a while. Do, do you think that's fair or do you think it's, it might just be a maybe a one-off and it just wasn't the game for those players? No, I think that's fair. Um, you know, when, not De Bruyne, but when Cancelo and Foden and Walker weren't in the team a few weeks ago, he sort of made a general point about picking the team on, on body language. Um and yeah, like those three players are some of the fittest in the squad. So if they're not playing, then it, it's not down to their fitness or it shouldn't be down to their fitness. So there's something else at play that he wants from them that he's not getting from them. And I mean, you know, we, we've we've spoken about Guardiola kind of unloading and unleashing all this stuff. And it was still pretty controlled. Like this wasn't kind of like the 
the rantings of a madman um, losing the plot. It wasn't like Benitez and facts or anything like that. It was, there was an edge to it and it was clinical and it was, it was rambling, but there were bits, there were bombs hidden away, you know, and uh, with his broadcast interview, he managed to sort of get in his net spend figures again and uh, point out that he was in a different country the last time United won the league. So it was kind of full of pot shots at everyone and everything um, that he deliberately, you know, maybe he didn't want to say everything. Maybe he did, but he's clearly had those thoughts in his head um, and they've come they've come out. So, you know, he, he, he was asked in the press conference, like, why are you telling us? Because, you know, a lot of City fans have always pointed out the uh, the Amazon documentary kind of clip where he says, I'll I'll defend defend you to the hilt in press conferences, but tell you the truth behind closed doors. Well, he's welcomed everyone in to um to to his house now and basically sort of declared open season on on the whole players. So now from now the whole message is can the players respond? What will the players do? We're gonna be looking out for those signs that the players have, have listened. Well, this is it. I, I don't think you can, as I said before, if, if those players are listening and, and don't take the message on board that they, they need to improve, then, then they're never going to get that message. Now, there were three players that he did single out for praise, which in in the middle of all those those criticisms was relatively noteworthy. He said Rico Lewis and again came in, played fantastically against a world-class opposition. Tottenham really f- targeted him physically and um, Pierre-Emile Oiberg was sort of tasked with basically putting him to the floor and keeping him there in, in the whole of the first half. He, Guardiola also said that we cannot play well without Nathan Ake at the moment, which I think is, is fair. He's playing very well at, at left-back and did so again on the most part against Tottenham. And he also said... Uh, Julian Alvarez, his hunger and his attitude. I don't think you can fault that that as well. Um, now, th- those those are three players that you wouldn't have expected to be sort of leading the mentality and and showing their teammates what to do and and how to be playing at, at the start of the season. But that that praise was, it, I mean, it was fair, wasn't it? It was justified. And uh, if he's criticising everyone else, then I think those three players probably can pat themselves on the back at least for the the Tottenham performance. Yeah, I mean, at least two of them have zero Premier League winners medals between them. So uh, there was sort of a distinction between the the hungrier players who have more to to give and to prove and the the less hungry players, perhaps, who've who've won it all. It'd be interesting to see what happens with um, Ruben Diaz, who has been injured and comes back into the the squad. Guardiola spoke recently about how they missed his, his leadership um, and certainly it was sort of that season with Diaz and Stones when they really started to celebrate kind of every defensive block and you felt that real team camaraderie and spirit that maybe maybe is lacking right there. So whether bringing Diaz into the the games will kind of add to the leadership in the team. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just a, a very kind of uncharted waters for for City and Guardiola to 
not necessarily to be in this position, but to be in it so openly and publicly and Guardiola to have sort of, you know, left all these comments out there in the media um, for the players to to read about and watch on Sky Sports News all day, uh, rather than talking about the momentum from a 4-2 comeback win over, over a rival. I think that's why it was probably a little surprising because it did come after a victory and a pretty good one at that. Yes, City did get out of jail a little bit because they shouldn't have been 2-0 down and, and Guardiola's point that they can't keep relying on comebacks is absolutely valid. But he used the, let's say, the win against Fulham earlier in the season. They got a late penalty. They weren't at their best. They came back. There was heroic scenes at, at full time. He used that to say, let's come together and, and let's use this as a, a point to kick on. And you can probably compare that to this one and the full-time scenes or the full-time reaction from Guardiola was pretty much opposite. He he, he didn't protect his players. He, he went in on them, as you say. And um, I, th- I think I mentioned to you last night, I was looking at the, the line-up. There's probably only four players that you would consider as City sort of on paper strongest players to be in a, a starting eleven. The whole of the defence last night, if you probably wouldn't say a City's best defenders in those positions. You would have normally Walker and Cancelo, maybe Diaz and Laporte. You would keep Rodri in your strongest eleven, but probably Bernardo Silva and Kevin De Bruyne come in instead of Ilkay Gundogan. Mares is probably the only one of the wingers that that played that you could consider as a as a strongest sort of first choice player. And obviously Haaland goes in there, but the team that's Guardiola seems to be relying on at the moment and especially the players that he seems to be not happy with are completely opposite to the team that you would expect to be taking City through this period where they need to get wins and they need to be playing well against very good teams like Tottenham and to I think this, the strength of the bench, I've mentioned it before, but the strength of the bench against Tottenham who have caused City a lot of problems is uh, is as much of a, a warning to, to the players and the squad as as the uh, the big rant afterwards, I, w- I would say. And it'll be really interesting to see what Guardiola does with his team against Wolves in light of what he's, what he's said there. And as you say, everyone will be watching now and taking, uh, you know, every decision and, and looking into it and seeing, right, who's, who's, who's on the bench? Why are they on the bench? What have they not done? Are they the ones who aren't bringing that hunger? It, it's, uh, it's, it's a risky strategy, I think, for Guardiola to go as he has, but... Um, maybe feels that sort of that that approach is is necessary. I think one other thing we need to discuss from Guardiola's rant is his uh, mention of the fans because he said uh, he needs his fans back. He said that basic to paraphrase, he said that they're too complacent that they only started uh, singing and supporting after forty five minutes. Um, he, he was pretty critical, wasn't he? That yes, they have supported City and will continue to do so, but he, he needs more more from the fans as well. And if he's asking the the players to show more hunger and more and demand more of themselves, he said as well that the fans need to demand more. They can't just turn up and expect City to score and, and win the Premier League and come back from 2-0 down because they've done it before, because that run's going to run out at some point. And I think of all the, the quotes that came through, the fact that he he went for the fans was probably the the more sort of eye catching one because that's a risky strategy, isn't it? To to criticise the the fans that that are coming and paying hard earned money and 
they've got every right to boo at half time when you've you've just conceded two two sloppy goals. But now Guardiola didn't seem all too happy with them. No, and and that is him kind of shooting from his position of, you know, I need you, 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 and you to all help me achieve what I want. You know, he wants to beat Arsenal, so he needs the whole t- team to do what he wants. He needs the fans to do what he wants. He needs the board to do what he wants. Um, yeah, he's he's picked a number of battles with the fans over over recent years, um, less so uh, in the last 12 months or so, probably. Um, but yeah, it was it was pretty flat um, and there can be a tendency for, you know, City to just wait for the team to, to do something. Um, but at the same time, you know, I think tickets started at like £68 last night, which is ridiculous. Um, and... You know, if you're going to sort of put tickets at those prices, then you're going to have to accept that you might not be able to get everyone who you normally might get and you might have to get in, you know, some more corporate fans or something like that and, like, you you then lose the atmosphere. So, you know, I don't think Guardiola is coming from a rounded perspective when he when he sort of not goes in on the fans, but voices his displeasure, um, you know, because I, I think he would um, not be very happy to to find out that, you know, prices were so high and people being priced out of going. Um, it, it is, yeah, like I say, it's just team, team Guardiola trying to turn City into the best possible versions of them themselves. And and the fans had been really good this season. Um, thinking back to the first part of the season, Haaland really seemed to have whipped them up and you had the derby and and everything was clicking and it and it just hasn't fully and there's also been like quite a lot of gaps over Christmas and things like that. It doesn't feel like there's that same rhythm and momentum and everyone is in that mentality of like, right, there's a match tonight, right, this is what we do. Um, and things like that. So, yeah, it's um, it, it all builds up for you know first Wolves this Sunday and then Arsenal in the FA Cup next next Friday. Um, two huge home games that you know again could have a very big say in the season. Yeah, I put the question to City fans of how how do you take those comments because Guardiola has sort of criticised you and asked more from you and there's sort of been two two prongs to the response. And one is, as you say, the cheapest tickets were £68 and that has increased since the World Cup. And if you've got people picking and choosing one of the two games this week, then you're probably going to pick the cheaper one against Wolves, which will still be a good game. It's on a Sunday. There's not a work day then. Well, there will be a work day next day, but it's not an evening game. And I mean, that is a lot of money and people are having to sort of count the pennies at the moment. And I don't think you can blame anyone for that, but the, the flip side of that is if people who go regularly aren't deciding to go, then you'll have other people, whether it's tourists or, as you say, corporate hospitality people or just people who aren't necessarily used to seeing City as much and are just maybe just happy to see Erling Haaland play play a bit of football and, and see a good game. So, yeah, I think that's that's one, one part of it that, as you say, Pep Guardiola probably doesn't 
have a, a, a clue that that's going on at all. Um, and then the other half is people have said, well, do you know what? It has been a little bit flat and he's probably within his rights to to, to call on, on the fans a little bit more and, and create a, a better atmosphere and, and demand a bit more. And I mean, yes, City have produced some very good comebacks recently, but Guardiola is absolutely right when he says it, it won't continue. And at, at one point, it's not going to happen. Look at Southampton. City went 2-0 down and had absolutely no response to that. And if that happens at home, then the atmosphere is going to get a little bit sort of flat and dejected. And yeah, I'm not sure. I think the fact that there were some boos at half-time might have taken some headlines. And yeah, maybe people shouldn't have booed after going 2-0 down and there's still 45 minutes left. But, you know, people are frustrated and people want to see City win. So yeah, I'd, I'd, I thought that there might have been a bit more of a, a backlash against Guardiola, but it does seem like a lot of fans do sort of see where he's coming from. And I mean, in the past, when he's when he's called upon fans, they, they've answered the call. And I, I would expect it'll be I mean, it'll be interesting to see what the atmosphere is like against Wolves. But I would I would expect it to be relatively noisy. And uh, you know, if, if the fan the fans can see the passion that Guardiola's given on on Thursday, he wasn't he didn't hide it at all. So I, th- I do feel like the, there will be a bit of a response and if it's a bit cheaper and, and there are sort of more regular fans going then that that could lead to it as well but no it's uh, it's always a risk when you take it take aim at the fans and mention the fans but um, the reaction has been fairly interesting and I think it will be in the in the next few weeks uh, yeah Wolves coming up next let's well I'd say what do you think is going to happen what team do you think but I to, can we predict that? I don't really know because you you would normally say, well, he's rested De Bruyne and Foden. Does he bring them back in? But after everything we've spoken about, maybe this day on the bench, I thought Alvarez did quite well. Grealish played really well. I, I, to be fair, one point I was going to make is that I think Grealish had one of his best defensive performances I've seen in, in quite a while. There was one time when he ran back and stopped a son break with a fantastic sliding tackle, although he wasn't happy with the, with the Sky Sports uh, questioner saying that that was his highlight of the match because he he wanted to to impact more in attack, which is probably the right attitude to have. But I I would argue that Grealish and Mahrez deserve to keep the place, as does Rico Lewis. Can you can you see wholesale changes? Because I mean, City did win on on Thursday, didn't they? Yeah, it'd be Rico Lewis plus ten, won't it? <laughs> Don't matter who the other who the other ten are, and and that kind of you know Guardiola made the point again. He was like, you know. It was Edison and Rodri who messed up against Tottenham, but the, last week it was someone else, and the other week it was someone else. It, it, it's kind of not any one individual. It's just you know a, a, a catalogue of of errors that has you know seeped into the whole the whole team and squad. Um, and people like Lewis are slightly apart from that and fresh and still able to give give him what he wants. So. Uh, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be very. I, I would expect the fans would, yeah, would make a lot of noise, and Pep would make a lot of show out of getting that noise. Um, and you know, Guardiola will have got what he wanted. So it's um, you know, I'm sure he would think if it if it gets him what he wants, it's worth you know some some fans being upset with him for for calling them out um, in order to get an advantage that he feels that City need. Do you think there's any jeopardy that Wolves are playing quite well and they've also got a decent record against City and they won't be sort of fearful of of City as some teams 
often are. It, it was interesting again to hear Antonio Conte say that their tactic was to to press City high up, and a lot of managers have said that in recent weeks that if you press City in defence, you, you can force some errors, and and maybe if you stop the attack from getting from even starting, you stop Erling Haaland getting the ball. And I think in the first half, especially Tottenham did that. Wolves have a team that lends itself to being able to do that. Adama Traore, if he, if he plays, will sort of worry City just by his sheer presence and his, his record against them. Do you, do you think that even though City did come back, Wolves will maybe take a bit of sort of encouragement from City's recent performances? They've conceded two goals uh, three games in a row now. It's it, It's not a sort of impenetrable defence anymore, is it? Yeah, they're not a nice team to play, um, certainly for City. They, they're usually very well organised um, and hard to beat. So they seem to have had a bit of bit of a new new manager bounce, although, um, you know, the manager can't have been too happy to see Man City again, having mm-hmm. been battered by them twice in the Champions League already this season. So, um, but, you know, but there again, you know, it is a Champions League manager. It's a Champions League level manager um, at a club that are still struggling to, you know, confirm their status in the Premier League for next season. So that that is the the level of opposition you're, you're up against. And, and yeah, I think City might have to be ready for a, a very frustrating afternoon on Sunday. And again, perhaps that has influenced Guardiola in what he said and um you know when he said things because uh, as good as it was to get the win over Tottenham Wolves is, is is probably as as difficult a game for them if not more because um Wolves should be so so difficult to break down yeah I'd, I'd agree with that but I, I'm I could probably argue that it's probably better to play a team like that that will give City problems and will uh, make City think rather than just, let's say, a team like Nottingham Forest. I, I mentioned them because they lost 6-0 at the Etihad, who came and didn't really offer any resistance and City could win and score lots of goals. He will probably learn more about how his players are willing to respond to his very public challenge against a team like Wolves, who are very, very capable of, of taking three points and, and scoring goals and making life difficult for City. So... Um, yeah, it's going to be very interesting, made even more interesting by everything Guardiola said on Thursday. We will continue to bring you all the fallout and if we can try and analyse what Guardiola said and what he meant and what he wants on the uh, Manchester Evening News in the uh, next couple of days. Look ahead to Wolves on Sunday and uh, of course if City win, they go within two points of Arsenal who then play Manchester United. So it's you know it's all doom and gloom a little bit but City have closed the gap on, on Arsenal and strengthened the top four position a, a little bit as well. So it's a very intriguing week in the world of Manchester City. As I say, we'll have it all on the Manchester Evening News. You can find us on Facebook at Manchester City-Manchester Evening News and also on Twitter at Man City MEN. We, will also, we are also now on YouTube at, at Man City underscore MEN for all sorts of uh, content, whether it's... Uh, press conferences, this very podcast or also uh, other videos surrounding uh, City and our coverage of City. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll continue to bring you all the fallout from uh, Guardiola's rant and uh, if you can make sense of it, please get in touch because uh, I know I'm struggling to get to the very bottom of it. So thank you very much Simon and uh, we'll be back next week to see how City is.